In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Yes, Thank you. And a joyous feast to everyone. We spent the last two weeks preparing for this, for this uh, feast of the Holy Dormition of our Most Holy Lady, which always lands on August 15th. And it's special that it lands on a Sunday this year because... Um, more people are here, you know, like you usually celebrate it on a, on a weeknight. And uh, with people's work schedules and everything that's going on in life, you know, not everyone's able to be here usually. And so I was really excited when I saw that it lands on a Sunday. There's so many little things that I would love to say about this, this holy day. It's the Dormition, Dormition means falling asleep, falling asleep, which is a, a kind of theological euphemism we use in, in orthodoxy for death. Why a theological euphemism? Because for those who believe in Christ and have been united to him by the grace of the Holy Spirit, death no longer has the final say. Therefore, our departure from the earthly life is like a falling asleep, at least it's like the body falling asleep, but we believe that the soul ascends and continues to live with our Savior in the heavens, and there will be a day when the body and soul are reunited again in Him, and all things will be made well, all things will be remade, yes. I was thinking this morning, listening to the Orthros hymns, I was reading the life of St. John of Kronstadt some while back. And uh, I, I don't know if you are familiar with him. I know many of you know of his book called My Life in Christ. But if you read about his life, you discover that he was like a charismatic figure. He was very interesting. He would be in the sanctuary during the liturgy improvising prayers. Out loud. Can you imagine if I started making up my own prayers? He was one of a kind. And even St. Theophon said, Father John, you can't do that. Don't do that. But, but he, was so, he was so enlivened by the life of God and by the worship of the church. He would come out to the cantor stand during the orthros. And they'd be reading or chanting something. And they, you would hear Father John of the cathedral go, yes, that's exactly how it is. That's just how it is. And, uh, and that's how we, can you imagine? Oh, it's, it's just him again, you know. But uh, I feel that way sometimes when I'm hearing these, when I hear the beautiful hymns and we, when we proclaim the resurrection, yeah, that's exactly how it is. To restrain myself a little bit, you know. But... Um, but anyway, that's how I feel, especially when we celebrate a feast, which reveals, always reveals something special to us. And this one is interesting to us in the West because it's one that we're, we're not so f familiar with, especially if we've come from a Western Protestant background. But it is one that has been a part of the, the church's tradition for a long time. And there are many, many homilies, reflections, eulogies, written 
by, by church fathers on the Dormition of the Theotokos. And um, for those who were here last night, you experienced something very much like what we do on Holy Friday. We do lamentations at the tomb of our Savior, and we have a similar set of hymns called the Lamentations at the Tomb of Our Most Holy Lady. And we sang together. And I went back and listened to it a little bit. It was so beautiful. It's beautiful hearing everyone's. We did the, you know, the live streaming. And so I, I had to hear your voices again. And it was wonderful. Thank you for all who came. One Athenite elder said about this, you know, there are pe- people question these guys. Well, it's not in the Bible, for example. Right? So we go, it's not in the Bible. How do we know it really happened? Well, first of all, we say, where did the Bible come from? You know, the church. And also we say that, um, how do we know it happened? Because it's been pre- preserved in the teaching and the tradition of the church. This story of the Dormition of our Most Holy Lady. And one Athenite elder said something very interesting <laughs> and practical. He said, it doesn't take a lot of creativity to uh, realize that Mary, you know, lived and, and died. So, and we're kind of simple about it. Like, she, she departed. And she's the mother of all Christians. And so we commemorate that departure as a significant event in the life of the church. Significant. The the church didn't know create Christianity apart from, from her in the early days. And that's extremely significant. And speaking of fathers writing about our most holy lady, Theotokos, and for those of you who may not know, Theotokos means um, the birth giver of God, literally, because we believe that Christ is God and she gave birth to him. So it's a beautiful title we give her. Give her and St. Maximus the Confessor has written a text available in English, The Life of the Virgin. I don't know if any of you have ever read it. It's amazing. It's awesome. He, he compiled it and, and wrote this beautiful, it's a, a poetic uh, expression of the life of our Most Holy Lady, the Theotokos. And the story of her dormition goes like this. I won't read the whole thing out of here, but... Maybe I'll do some recordings of it or something from, for you guys, but it's really wonderful. Toward the end of her life, she was going up to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And she kneeled down at that place where our Savior had experienced His agony, kneeling and praying. She was very close to her son. Only, you know... There's something that only mothers can understand about the love of this beautiful woman for her son. She's precious, a precious intercessor for all of us, but especially for mothers, because she understands the pain that you experience. When you see your children going through the worst things, flesh of my flesh, how could this be happening? She knows. She knows what it's like. Getting to know her helped me to become a lot more understanding about motherhood. 
It's amazing. And men, you get to know her too. You get to know her too. She loves you deeply. And she is a beacon of purity. Don't flee from her because of your lack of familiarity, but rather draw near. And you'll find how precious her intercessions are. She was praying on her knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's said that at this time she knew her, she was, her earthly life was coming to an end. And as she was praying, the trees even inclined toward her. And the archangel visited her again. That same one who came at the beginning and announced the good news of the conception of Christ. This time he came and said, I always tell you that young priests are not supposed to cry because we're not dispassionate yet. So I'm not going to. He essentially said, your son is ready to see you again. He's ready to be with you. And she accepted the word of the archangel. But she also had longed to see all of the apostles and disciples who had gone up to spread the gospel throughout the inhabited world. And as the story goes, they were miraculously gathered together. And I'll read just a couple little sections from the life of the Virgin for you. The Blessed and All-Holy One blessed them and informed them about her departure from the world. She told them about the Dormition that had been related to her by the Archangel. And she showed them the symbol of her Dormition. He had given her a palm branch. A palm branch. And we know a palm branch is a sign of victory. We celebrate that on, we, we wave them around on Palm Sunday. Proclaiming Christ's victory over death. And so it was given to her by the archangel as a consolation. And an affirmation of the fact that death was, would not be her final trial. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the end of things for her. Okay, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't triumph. It was given to her by the chief of the angels. And so she consoled them and blessed them and strengthened them and encouraged them to carry out their excellent preaching. She greeted Peter and Paul and the others and said, Rejoice, O children, friends and disciples of my Son and God. Blessed are you who have thus been found worthy to be disciples of the gracious and glorious Lord and Master. And he entrusted you with the ministry of such mysteries. And you've been called to share in his persecution and suffering. So that the Lord of glory will make you worthy to partake of his kingdom and glory as he himself promised and commanded you. Such a blessing and teaching she spoke to them according to her glory. And she explained to them the rites of anointing her with myrrh and her burial. And it's a good reminder for us that we honor the body of every Christian, that living temple of the Holy Spirit. We do not destroy that which was a, was a living habitation of the Holy Spirit, the body. But even when someone has fallen asleep in the Lord, we honor their body. We lay them in a casket, in a coffin. We bring them, we anoint them. We have a little group of people who go and say prayers, reading the Psalms and anointing with oil, fragrant oil, because 
That's the body of one we love. We don't cremate. We don't, we don't destroy the, the temple. We follow the example of what they did with Christ. When, when he was crucified, did they destroy his body? No. They gave it a place of honorable burial and anointed it. Because they love him and they did the same with our most holy lady. And she extended her hands and began to give thanks to the Lord. She who responded to the first announcement of the archangel with a prayer. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. We heard that reading in uh, Orthros. And we hear it during every Paraclesis service, which we did during the weeknights of the, of the Dormition fast. And once again, she raised her hands in prayer. I bless you, O King, and only begotten Son of the beginning, this Father, true God of true God, who consented to become incarnate from me, your handmaid, through the incalculable philanthropic, that means man-loving, the lover of mankind, goodwill of the Father and the assistance of the Holy Spirit, I bless you, the giver of every blessing who spread forth light. I bless you, the source of every life of goodness and peace who bestow on us knowledge of yourself and of your beginningless Father and of your co-beginningless and life-giving Holy Spirit. I bless you who are ineffably pleased to dwell in my womb. I bless you who so loved human nature, that you endured crucifixion and death for our sake. And by your resurrection, you resurrected our nature from the depths of hell and led it up to heaven and glorified it with an incomprehensible glory. I bless you and glorify your words, which have given us in truth, which you have given us in truth. And I believe that all the things you have done and said to me will be fulfilled. And interesting, in the story of her dormition, one other thing, there was one who was not present. You probably heard that this morning, if you were here in Orthros. That guy, you know, that one who wasn't present also after the resurrection of our Lord, but had to see. I will not see until I put my hands in his side and touch his hands, that the nails had pierced Thomas. Thomas arrived late again, but St. Maximus says it was by God's providence because when he arrived, he begged to see and venerate that most holy body of our Theotokos, our ever-Virgin Mother. And uh, they opened up the tomb and What happened? Her body was not there. You hear this language in the hymns of the church of the translation. Thou was translated into life, being the mother of life. That's in the Apolitikion for the feast. Thou was translated into life, being the mother of life. And that translation in the Western world sometimes referred to as assumption. But the fathers teach that her body was taken up As the first of created beings, Christ was the first one 
to resurrect from the dead and ascend into heaven. She was the first of God's children to be taken up as a witness to the resurrection. The winding sheet, the sheet that she had been lovingly wrapped in, and her belt were left behind. Her belt, kind of like mine, what I wear around, you know, to keep your clothes together. And it's actually still that belt of the Theotokos is still on Vatopedi Monastery, on Monathos. And they take it around and bless people with it, and it's associated with many miracles. And I have one more reading, and I'll wrap it up. I had so much more I wanted to say, but let's, let's do it again next year. <laughs> and the year after that. Nevertheless, having learned something else from truthful and reliable informants, it's been written about before us, and it's trustworthy and reliable, that in the assembly of the holy apostles for the Dormition of the Queen, one of the apostles was providentially not able to arrive with the others. And the holy apostles were expecting him, so that he perchance would also receive a blessing from the blessed and beloved body. Nevertheless, on the third day, that, uh, that apostle also arrived, and he found his other comrades singing in front of the holy tomb. And he had also heard clear, the clear and sweet sound of the angels singing. And he besought the holy apostles to open the venerable tomb, so that he could embrace the all-holy body of the glorious Theotokos through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The blessed apostles heard their brother's plea and opened the holy tomb with fear. But when they opened it, they did not find the glorious body of the Holy Mother of Christ, for it had been translated forever her son and God wished. For as he himself was placed in a tomb when, when he endured death in the flesh for the sake of our salvation and gloriously arose on the third day, so it also seemed fitting to place the immaculate body of his mother in a tomb and likewise to translate it into eternal incorruptibility as he wished, either so that both elements were again united with each other, for so the creator of all things was pleased to honor the one who gave him birth, or in some other way that the king of glory and the Lord of life and death alone knows. So then the tomb was found empty. They found the burial wrappings and the shroud in which they had laid her to rest, and the body of the Immaculate Virgin was not there. But it had been raised up to her Son and God so that she will live and reign with Him completely. And thus our nature was raised up to heaven in the eternal kingdom, not only by her Son, but also by the Immaculate Mother. Again, a witness to the fulfillment of the economy of God's salvation by His grace that even that which is created can be deified and united with God. It's one thing for us to believe that, that somehow God, who is everything and can do anything, could somehow become what He never was in order to make us what we were created to be. Okay, God can do it. He took on the flesh. He has became man. He died and resurrected and ascended. Okay, God did that. But could it really happen to a human person? Could it really happen to someone like you or me with our coarse flesh and our corruptibility? And the church, through giving us this story, says absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. This, this simple and quiet prayerful maiden 
who was the glue of the apostolic band, the mother of all Christians, by his grace and by his divine providence, bears witness that even those created and subject to corruptibility could also arise and be with him, be with him for all of, of eternity. It's such a beautiful feast, beloved in Christ. It's one that we're not that familiar with, and I wanted to capitalize on this, uh, this opportunity to be able to share some things with you um, on this, uh, since it's land- landing on a Sunday. And I love the interplay, actually, between the fact that Sunday is the day of the resurrection, and we don't have funerals on Sundays. We don't. We don't, do, we, don't, we don't even kneel down on Sundays. We don't do anything penitential or reverential because it is the day of life. And on this day on which we commemorate the dormition, the death, falling asleep of our Most Holy Lady, we also proclaim the triumph of the resurrection. It's perfect. I wish it would land on a Sunday every time. But you know what? The, the, the reality of the resurrection is not only real on Sunday, but also Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And any time that the Lord in His goodwill, by His beautiful and perfect providence, decides to take any one of us home, our prayer is that we would have no fear, no fear but hope in the resurrection. Because that's who we are. Our life. Our life. Our life is Christ. And is there any end to the life of Christ? No. Is there any end to the love of Christ? No. Is there any end to eternity with Him? No way. So this is our boldness. This is where our courage comes from. And this is our proclamation as Christians. And this is the beautiful message of this great, glorious, and holy feast. Today we commemorate the dormition of our most holy lady. We glorify, we glorify her son, the son of God who became flesh through her consent to God. And we also ask, as turning to a tender and loving mother, we ask for her intercessions through the intercessions of our Most Holy Lady, the Theotokos, O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, grant us to dwell with you in your eternal kingdom, always, now, and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.